Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Your life is not inconsequential. Your life matters. Uh, God has big plans, big purposes for you and your life. And we, we know that we matter. First off, if, if for no other reason, because of the gospel. Right? The fact that, as Melanie talked earlier, that we have all, you know, fallen short before a holy God, right? None of us measures up at all, anywhere near what God would have us to be. And so he provided his son to be the savior of the world. He loved us. The Bible says he loved us so much. For God so, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God so loved the world. God so loved me. God so loved you that he gave his son. That, that he lives that perfect and sinless life as the Son of God goes to the cross and as he hangs on the cross, God puts the penalty, the guilt for my sins and your sins and the sins of the whole world upon him and he dies there paying that penalty in full, rises again from the dead three days later and God, through the gospel, offers to us if we will just be honest, honest with God, with ourselves, that we have sinned against him and our sins have separated us from him. And we believe that Jesus did die for our sins and rise again. And we can say, oh God, I believe that. I, I receive Jesus as my savior. And the moment we do that, he forgives every sin we ever have or ever will commit. Because Jesus already paid for him, didn't he? He already paid that penalty in full. And then he gives us eternal life. When this life is over, we go on living with him. And then he moves inside of us, deep down inside of us and begins working on us to change us in his good ways uh, from the inside out. And so we know that our lives must matter because God has done this, but our lives matter so much beyond that. That's the starting place for the fact that our lives are not inconsequential and that our lives really, really matter. And I'm gonna show you this from the scripture today. Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. If you're using a Bible that's under the chairs there, which we encourage you to to grab one if you don't have your own, it's page 1115, 1115. And we're gonna be reading a portion from what's called the Sermon on the Mount, very, very well-known preaching, teaching of Jesus. So much of these things have made it into uh, uh, common understanding, even in culture. Have you ever heard, you know, go the second mile? Right, you gotta go the second mile. Uh, that kind of thing. There's other things in here. Let me think, of course, the, the Lord's Prayer, which many people that pray in their church services regularly, uh, judge not. All of these kinds of things come from this well-known sermon. But I want to pick up in verse 13 of chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we read a few verses starting with verse 13. Jesus talking, for I, Jesus talking to those people who have received him as Savior like we talked about earlier. And if, by the way, if you haven't done that, just do it right now in your heart. Say, okay, God, that is me, and I believe that, and I receive it, okay? So Jesus, talking to those who have received him as Savior, says this, you are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So this whole passage, these verses, is taking us someplace that people might end up glorifying God because of our lives. In other words, glorifying God, acknowledging him for who he really is, knowing him, you know, receiving him as Savior, living their lives for him. And he says that this is going to be the result of how we live our lives. Now, is, is that significant? Does that make your life significant? Your life is of great consequence. And so it's of great consequence. And let me say it, I'll say it this way, sum this up. We're going to be in this passage today and next Sunday as well. But here's the overarching theme that I want you to see. And this is this, that God intends for us to live noticeable lives. That point to him. Now notice I didn't say noticeable lives that point to us, right? There's a lot of people who try to live that way. Uh, not talking that, we're talking about living noticeable lives that point to him. In other words, we're not to be living lives that are in secret. We aren't living lives in hiding. We're not just going away somewhere and cloistering ourselves and trying to, you know, do our thing. No, we're to live lives in a way that they get noticed. And, and you, you, lots of ways to get noticed, right? Good and bad. <laughs> But we're talking about living our lives in such a way that, wow, what's, what's up with that? And they get noticed with the goal being, it points to God, that he might see us and notice, not that he, but the people might see us and notice it. Your life is not inconsequential. We're going to focus in on verse number 13 today. The first half of this is we talk about shaken, being shaken, the salt shaken out into the world. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, right? Where are you going to use it? Where, where can you season it? You won't. It's no good. We do what? Get rid of it. Now, some people say, well, wait a minute. Salt, you know, salt can't get unsalty. Salt is salt. And there's some truth to that, or that is absolutely true. But the, I can understand in Jesus' day where they got their salt was often from salt marshes and other places. And there, there are other minerals, other impurities, not necessarily impurities, but minerals in the salt, okay? And so they could, you know, with water leaching through it or whatever, it could, the salty part could go away. And so what they had and called salt wouldn't be very salty anymore. All right, and so this is the idea. Salt loses flavor, it's no good. What you have left, you might as well just throw out, okay, and walk on it because it's just not salty anymore. Now, uh, salt, um, in history, obviously is a very, very valuable thing. In fact, you know, uh, battles were fought, fought over salt, sources of salt. Uh, if salt was bartered, you know, bought and sold, traded as a commodity. Um, it was used as a payment. Sometimes you could pay with salt. Uh, 
And salt is, um, salt is something that is required in our diets to be healthy. A certain amount of salt is a requirement for that. And so they used to have, um, when they would have, you know, maybe slaves on a ship or even someone working for it, and you were providing for them and, and you had to make sure that you were providing them salt in their diets and what they need. And if somebody wasn't working or carrying their weight, we get a set figure speech that says what? The person's not worth their salt, see? Okay, and so it was used that way. The, the word from which we get our word salary, the Latin derivation of that, it's believed, they're not sure, but it goes back, it's, it's a form of the word salt. Salary, okay, paying. So, in the ancient world, salt was used as a preservative. They would salt uh, you know, the meat and the fish and all that to keep it from uh, decaying. Uh, so use a preservative. It was used, like I said, you have to have a certain amount of it to, to have good health in your, your diet. Uh, but probably, I think the thing that most of us would think of when we think of salt, well, I guess in New England, you might think of plows and roads and all that, but, but generally speaking, we use salt for what? To flavor things, to enhance the flavor of things. Uh, and so if something is, uh, uh, food is just salted just right, is, ooh, right? Can you, anybody's mouth starting to water right now if you think about that a little bit? And so it's the idea of flavoring, flavoring. And so if uh, salt isn't salty anymore, right? Have you ever had food that you, you ate it and the first thing you go, wow, that's, that's bland. <laughs> You got any salt, right? I mean, you know, so we understand this idea. And Jesus says that you and I are the salt of the earth. We are what God's intent is to, to bring this good flavor, to enhance the flavor of God's goodness in such a way that the world around us takes notice. And then he eventually gets the glory. So, what does it mean to be salt, salty? Salty salt. <laughs> well, right here in the beginning of, right before what we, the passages we just read here in the Sermon on the Mount, there are the Beatitudes. And just, I'm not gonna read through them, but let me just kind of talk about them a little bit. It says, I think the people here who are humble people and realize that they need God, they are not prideful people, those are salty people, aren't they? They're, they're, they're attractive. There's, okay, uh, those who, who have, have experienced pain and suffering and understand us when we do, that's salty, isn't it? And I mean salty in a good way, okay? Uh, and those who are, don't demand their own rights. They're not about everything's for me, no, they're, they're caring about others. That's saltiness. Those who always, they want to know what's right and do what's right, now that's, that's salty. Savory in a good way. Those who are merciful, people who will show you mercy. Don't you like it when people show you mercy? Right, that's a salty quality. Uh, people who are pure in heart. When you talk to someone and you know that what they're telling you is what they really mean from their hearts, they're not playing any games with you. That's a, an attractive feature, isn't it? That's salty. Uh, those who are peacemakers, people who aren't divisive, but people who bring people together is a salty thing. Those who are willing to suffer for doing what they believe is right, those are salty characteristics. And so uh, 
We could go through the whole Bible and look at these, all these different kinds of things and identify them. This is, would be a salty characteristic. This would be salty. All of it with the idea being to attract attention to the Lord. So when we're talking about what is saltiness for a Christian, you know, salt that has not lost its savor. And uh, so three things we want to talk about this today. And the first one is this, is that saltiness is living in a way that makes a relationship with Christ desirable, interesting, and worth considering. So someone who knows you, who knows me, and they interact with us, my life ought to be lived in such a way that they take note of it and it, it would draw them toward knowing Jesus, right? There's something about this person. Uh, so the idea is this, that the salty life is not uh, necessary, doesn't come natural. Doesn't come natural, it's supernatural, it's God's doing. So if someone who doesn't know Christ, looking at you, looking at me, they ought to look at it and say, boy, that doesn't seem natural, but it sure seems good. See that? Not natural, but it's good. You know? And have you ever heard anybody say this, maybe to you or about somebody else? I wish I could be like that or I could be more like you. Have you ever heard that kind of? If you are, that's because there's a saltiness there that people go, hmm, that's good. I wish I could be like that. And so once again, it opens up the door for us to point people to Christ. So when Jesus says here, if salt loses its flavor, what's he talking about? Okay, when the Bible says loses its flavor here, it translates one word, one Greek word that means this, to become insipid. That's a cool word, isn't it? Insipid. Means bland, right? There, no, no flavor to it. Uh, it. To become insipid or to be dull or boring. That's what that word that's translated means. And so can food be dull? Food be boring? I got to just be real open here with when we moved from Missouri to New England and we met some really just traditional hardline New Englanders and what did they eat? Meat and potatoes. And very bland. So anyway, but so... Um, this is what Jesus is talking about. If, if, if the food, this, the saltiness is, is not there, insipid, dull, or boring, it has lost its flavor. Um, and I've got to say to you that dull and boring are not words that ought to be used to describe the Christian life. Now, you can be a Christian and live your life in a way that's dull and boring. But if you're doing that, it's not because you're a Christian. Okay? The Christian life should be the most exciting life on earth. It really ought to be. And I want you to think about this with me. I wrote a few things down here as I thought about the Christian life. Do you... Um, the Star Wars movies. Typically exciting, Right? One thing that's exciting, very, very exciting. And, and um, I didn't think of that until after I had already written this down, but looking at it, you know, it's this exciting. Man, the Christian life is, has all the elements of that and more. Listen to this, okay? First of all, your life has an eternally significant purpose. 
Not just significant today or tomorrow, but for the, all of eternity, your life has significance. You have a role to fill that nobody else can fill. You are the chosen one for that role. Nobody else can fill it. You have been uniquely designed by God to fill that role. You said, me? Yeah, you. You are uniquely designed. And, and God wants to take that and all of your experiences and how you've responded to him and all that. And he wants to use you in a way that nobody else he can use that way. And there is a real enemy who wants to destroy you and wants you to keep you from fulfilling your role. And there are real battles to fight. Okay, there are, day in and day out. Your enemy is powerful and capable of defeating you. That, that's a big deal. But God's power is greater. And he is able to prevent you from being destroyed by the enemy. You have been given the opportunity to go rescue people who have been taken captive by the enemy. Because the gospel can move people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Rescue them. And the gospel not only changes people's eternal destinies, it changes their lives now, doesn't it? Anybody here whose life has been changed for good because you trusted in Jesus? Right, day in and day out. And you have the opportunity to, to help people to experience that. People who's, who do not have those things in their lives that you have. And then the deep wisdom of the ages. I mean, you think, Yoda, this little wise creature. Aren't you glad I don't look like Yoda? Maybe you think I do. I don't know. The deep wisdom of the ages is available to you in God's revelation of himself, right? Wisdom. And you have this word of God, which is alive and powerful. It's like your lightsaber, right? The sword of the spirit. It's alive in power. It's able to do damage to the enemy. And it's able to, in your life, to accomplish God's will. And on and on and on we could go. So the, the one thing your Christian life should never be is insipid or dull or boring. And so if you're a Christian and your life is boring and dull, something needs to change. You probably need to change what you believe. Because beliefs affect how you live your life. You need to change what you do about what you believe. And you can begin to experience this exciting life that Christ has for us. So let me just give you a few suggestions here of ways that you can overcome boredom and experience some excitement as a Christian. First one is this. Bring the gospel up to someone you don't know. Okay, bring the gospel up to someone you don't know. Well, how do I do that? Well, who knows? But you see, I'm going to do it. Next, I'm going to say. So I, I'm going to put myself on the spot here. This afternoon, I have an opportunity. I will be with three other guys that I don't know, and I will be with them for a couple hours uh, playing some disc golf. And I'm putting myself on the spot to say, I'm going to try to bring the gospel up somehow, some way. Okay? And I think my life's going to get exciting. <laughs> Because I do. All right? I don't know where to go. God does, and that's his business. So bring up the gospel to someone you don't know. Maybe even more exciting, bring up the gospel to someone you do know. Well, I've already done that. Yeah, well, do it again. Bring it up again. Yeah, they might get upset with you. They might say, you know, I've been thinking about what you said before. Who knows, right? 
But it's exciting. I guarantee you, see, you know, I don't know how it all goes with the results. We've got to trust those things to God. But the idea is, I know it's exciting because before I do that, my heart rate increases. My breathing gets a little, it's, it's, it's excitement, right? And we, we call it fear. But maybe we ought to change it and say, this is exciting. Who loves the first ridiculously stupid high drops on roller coasters? Who loves that? A few of you, okay? And, and the rest of us think it's scary. <laughs> but you think it's exciting, right? Okay, so let's think about it. We're gonna talk to somebody about Christ, about Jesus, something, some way. And, and it's gonna be exciting, okay? Uh, and then, so another way to overcome boredom and experience some excitement is to give more of your money away. Give it away to missions or to a project of the church or to someone who is in need or, or whatever. Now, I don't know about you. I think back on my, my, when I first was a, a believer and I thought about witnessing to somebody. It was exciting to be able to tell somebody about Jesus. And sometimes they would be interested and occasionally get saved. I mean, exciting stuff, right? I also remember big time when I learned to trust God and give away my money. Right? So what, what do you mean give away the first 10%? What? <laughs> the, what? <laughs> give away the first 10%. And do, do it off your gross. That's part of the salary, not the net. Give. Trust God. Give. Wow, that's a big thing. How exciting to do it and to have a sense of peace in you that I'm trusting you, God, and then see him work in your life. Boy, was that exciting. Anybody ever experienced that besides me? Anybody? Okay. All right. If your life getting a little dull and boring, go give away some of your money again. Ask God, what do you want me to do? And go do it. Okay, your life can become exciting again. How about this? Uh, decide to serve God as a missionary. Hey, Amy Beth, would that excite anybody, you think, if they did it? Yeah. Put it, uh, um, Amy Beth has done that. Um, pretty much everybody here today it, 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 you could do that. You'd have to make some decisions. You'd have to say, you know what, boy, I'm going to have to, maybe I've got to go get some more training, depending on what you think God wants you to do. I may have to go get some more training. That means I've got to quit my job. I may have to move. I, although there's lots of options nowadays, you don't have to do all that. But I, I'm going to do it. I mean, I, for, for Glenda and I, what a huge part of our growth in our lives of trusting God was that decision to leave our jobs and move and go to school to prepare for the ministry. Right? You guys know when you made that decision, that was a big, made your life exciting, didn't it? It made your life exciting. Okay, and, and by the way, you know, if you're young, I can go be a career missionary, great. If you're older, maybe it's one of those things, maybe especially you're retiring, you say, hey, I can go give a month or two months or three months someplace and work and make a difference, uh, you know, whatever. But it gets exciting because now you're on the mission. Who has the, when you're thinking about soldiers, who has the most exciting life? The people who are left behind and cooking the meals or the ones they drop in enemy territory? The most exciting part is out there, okay? So uh, decide to serve God as a missionary. And then the next one would be to begin serving God right now where you are in some way that stretches your faith, that challenges you that puts you outside of your comfort zone. 
Because really, here's a challenge for you, and you need to look at this in your life and think, is my goal to be comfortable or to live like a Christian? Comfortable or Christian? You know, I've never seen a, a movie made, an exciting movie or a novel written, an exciting novel that's about how we pursue, look at someone making sure they had a comfortable life. Uh, right? No, what makes those things exciting? Someone isn't living a comfortable life, right? They're being stretched. They're being put in positions they, they've never been in before. And for a Christian, it's about those things and about learning to trust God and that God can be trusted and seeing his power work. I guarantee you something, that if you would just take this to heart and say, God, I want to be a salty Christian and I'm going to get out here and I'm going to share the gospel with some people. Oh God, I'm scared. No, 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 I'm excited, but I'm scared. And I'm going to do this. And at some point, someone says, Wow, that makes sense. I'm interested in that. And you say, okay, well, let's, why don't let's pray and receive Christ. And they pray and receive Christ. And they come to church and they want to get baptized. How excited are you going to be? Life won't be anymore. You will have been salty and experienced the, the blessing of that. And so this idea of the losing salt losing its flavor, we... we Gotta be careful that we don't, if we lose, if we live, pursue comfortable lives, if that is our goal, we will be boring. Life will be boring and dull. We won't be salty. Now, this term that Jesus uses here, he says, if the salt loses its flavor, the same word uh, has some other meanings that I think would apply, and this is it. It means to be foolish or act foolishly. Okay, it's the same, same word. To be foolish or act foolishly. So we can lose our saltiness when we act foolishly. Um, how do we do that? Well, we go to the Bible and we look in Psalm 14. It says, uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Well, now we believe in God. This is why we're here today, right? Amongst other things. But can you as a Christian live today as if there is no God? Can you live that way, make your decisions as if there's no God today? You can, right? Should you? No, but you can. And if you do, as you go about your decisions today and what you do, and God is not in any of your thoughts, that's what it says there in the Psalms, he's not in your thoughts, you're just living your life, doing your thing, your comfortable, boring life. And uh, that's foolish. It's the fool who lives as if there is no God. Uh, in Romans chapter 1, it says that the people are foolish when they reject the fact that God is creator, that God has a design for everything. And when you live your life, you figure it all out on your own, and you're borrowing from any ideas, whatever you want. This is why, instead of saying, wait a minute, what's God's design for my life? What's God's design for my marriage? What's God's design for raising my kids? What's God's design for how I handle my finances? What's God's design for fill in the blank? And when you aren't living that way, you're living foolishly. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So we don't want to live that way. We want to remember God is the creator. What's his design? And live accordingly. And then the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians says, hey, don't be foolish, but be wise 
redeeming the time, using the time wisely, using your time the way God wants you to, using your time for good and eternally significant things. And if you don't do that, when you look at your life and you say, I'm spending all this time on this stuff that has nothing to do with what God has for me to do, that's living foolishly. And so Jesus is saying here, look, if your life doesn't, isn't salty, if your life is really lived in foolish ways, then what's the point? All right? Salt's no good. Get rid of it. Your life isn't noticeable in a way that points people to God. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Our lives are supposed to be. Okay. So I'm assuming, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that you're here today, you're not wanting to be dull and boring and lack saltiness, that you are not wanting to be foolish and therefore lack saltiness, that instead you're wanting to live the way David talks about, where your life speaks these words and says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Look at my life and see that blessed is the one who trusts in him. Life of blessing. This is good, a saltiness. Okay? All right. Now, so let's assume that we, we say, okay, yeah, we're going to be salty. We're not going to be, you know, dull, boring, insipid, foolish. We're not. We're going to live salty lives. Where, where is the salt in your house right now? Where is it? Is it in, maybe it's in a big container? Maybe it's in a salt shaker? If it sits there and not, it never gets out of that thing, what good is it? What has to happen? You have a salt shaker for it to make any difference for you. Right? No. <laughs> okay? It has to get shaken out. All right? And so the second truth here for you today is this. You need to start shaking yourself out into the world. I can do that by being salty in your daily life, the kind of the way we talked about it, right? You go out there and say, I'm going to bring up the gospel today somehow, some way. I'm going to shake the shaker here. I'm going to shake it out into my life, okay? But you can do this yourself. Make those decisions. Follow the Lord. Lord, what do you want to do? How do you want me to live? What's your design you want me to follow? What? I'm going to be salty today in a way that brings you honor and glory. And so we're talking about things like this. I have a list of some things down here. In your actions, think about how, how could I live in a way that's salty, that shows God in my life. My attitudes, well, there's a biggie. <laughs> my responses. Hey, by the way, next time you're in line at a store, and the person working the register is obviously just not good at it, right? And they don't have a good attitude, da, 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 and the people around you start complaining, you know, you hear all this kind of stuff. But you be the one who understands that that person matters. Jesus died for that person. And who knows what's going on in that person's life today? And you get up there and you speak something encouraging. Say, hey, hang in there, man. Just, you know. I'm going to tell you a secret. I trust that Jesus had helped. Or whatever. I'm just saying, but, 
be caring and you can be salty, right? So your, your attitudes, your responses, your facial expressions, expressions, your words, your tone of voice, all savory. Something that would draw people to the Lord. And as you have opportunity, then speak of Christ. So sometimes you're gonna go out, you're gonna go out of your well-intentioned and you're gonna wait. Somebody gonna ask me what I do this weekend. And I'm gonna tell them I went to church. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and nobody ever asks. I got an idea. Go out there and ask them, what did you do this weekend? Listen, be interested. Very high likelihood they're gonna say, or at least the opportunity will come for you to say, well, here's what I did this weekend. I, you know, I raked a billion leaves out of my yard, and, and uh, we watched something together, and then we, and on Sunday I went to church, and let me tell you, going to church is the highlight of my week. Because I get to be with people who believe in God and who help me to do the same. Hey, do you go to church anywhere? Boy, that was exciting. That'll be exciting, right? It'll be savory. Okay, or, or say when conversation, you know, hey, yeah, I'm, pray I'm praying about this in my life. Be open about it. Openly Christian. I am so thankful to God for whatever. Uh, I would be glad for, to pray for you about that. When someone's telling you the problems they're facing, well, hey, can I pray for you about that? Or, can I pray for you right now? You know, I mean, just engage with them. You're being a salty Christian. Have you ever thought about what happens when we come to the end of our lives? Uh, um, just, uh, we can go on and on. I don't need to, to go on and on, but you got to be openly Christian to have those opportunities. Openly Christian. And if you think, well, I am openly Christian, but these opportunities never arise, maybe you need to open more. <laughs> I'm reminded, it's, and it, it doesn't exactly apply, but I was sitting this morning and remembered our uh, middle son, Matthew. Very inquisitive child. And Glenn and I were sitting, I think, in the living room or something, and all of a sudden we heard from the kitchen, run in the kitchen, find out. And there is Matthew with his lips stuck in the refrigerator door. Because he wanted to know if the light really went off when you shut the door. And he was trying to see and then it went And so this is a little backwards there, but what I feel like is that there are some of you trying to live openly Christian by just a little bit. And what happens is it messes up your talking. You need to be openly Christian. Open the door and be open about your relationship with Christ. So, Start shaking yourself out into the world. And sometimes, you know, a salt shaker, have you ever turned the salt shaker off and nothing comes out? It's full, but there's nothing coming out? It's because it's clumped up, right? Or it's whatever, and you gotta kind of shake it up and sometimes it'll come, okay, now. So sometimes the, the salt shaker has to be shaken harder. And it may hap happen in that, our lives that way. It happened in the Old Testament with, with God's people. They weren't living salty lives for him and God eventually sends them into captivity around the world. And he sent them into captivity around the world and by so doing, 
put synagogues all the way around the world so then when, later when they went to preach the gospel, there were places to preach it. See, God was shaking, the, shaking everything up. The New Testament, the same way. The church, the church was really excited. It was, everything was so salty to begin with and then they just started hanging together. Jerusalem, ain't this good? Don't we love our little church, big church? This is great. And then... Uh, God said, you've got to go out and be salty. And they aren't, so he allows persecution to come. And they take off all around the world and share the gospel. Okay, So that could happen to us. And if we, if we aren't being salty on our own out in the world, God may, you know, we're, we're living, trying to live comfortable lives. God may very well bring some chastisement into our lives that puts us out there into the world to be salty. He sure could. He can also allow things to come into our lives, crises to come into our life, relationship crisis, financial crisis, health crisis. You know, he can let those things in our life as well to get us out there to be salty. And which brings us to the third, third truth here, and that's this, that when God allows troubles and crises to shake you out into the world, be salty. You know, our tendency is to... Um, when those hard things come and we don't understand is to pull back. Maybe to pull away from God a little bit. To pull away from people. This is, let me just say this is, this is not a downput on anybody in particular, but I, I don't understand the logic of when if you have problems in your life, you pull away from the church. No, no, you need to, to be here, right? And, but we can do the same thing, pull away from people. Let's don't. You know, if God puts you in a position where now you are out here and something big is happening in your life, how sad would it be to find yourself someday standing before the judgment seat of Christ and Christ to say, we, we allowed you to be in this situation because we wanted you to be salt there. And you look and see and instead you pulled away. So if God puts you out there and says, be salty, take advantage of it, don't waste it. And let me say this, this idea of you know, being openly Christian and, and when God allows these troubles and crises to shake you out of the world, be salty. We talked about you know, not going into hiding, not turning away, no, but going out there being open, being salty. You see, Nobody gets a pass on that responsibility. We have different personalities, don't we? Some people we know are coming a long ways before they get close. Because <laughs> they're just out there, right? And then we have people who can be present and, and you later on say, well, was so-and-so there? You don't even know because their personalities are different, right? But I want to say to you, when it comes to being a salty Christian, you don't get a pass because of your personality. You've got to figure out where you are, your personality, how do I be salty? Well, I'm an introvert. Praise the Lord. I got a little introvert in me too. Then excuse me, I got to do it. So we got to decide all of us. And if you're an extrovert, you know, maybe you put losing a little too much salt. I don't know. Right? But what we want to do is we want to be, here's what we, have, we, we need to open our hearts to God. 
Like I said earlier today, if you haven't received Jesus as Savior, that's where you've got to start. You've got to open your heart to God. But Christians, those of you, every one of you here, you need to open your heart to God. If it's already open, great. Praise the Lord. Oh, my God, my heart is open to you. I want to live the way Jesus said. I want to be a salty Christian in that positive way that, that makes a relationship with you appealing. God, I want to do that. I'm open to you. And so let me show you. So God, I'm open to you. So I'm opening your word. All right, and I'm going to look, I'm learning all the kinds of things. We say, well, that would be a salty way to live, you know, and this would be, a, well, that would be a salty way to live. And so now I'm going to open up to the world around me as well. I'm opening up to you, God. I'm opening your word, and then I'm going to open myself up to the world around me and become a salty believer. Because God intends for us to live noticeable lives that point people to him. This is not an inconsequential thing. This really, really matters. And so go do something about it. Go do something about it. When you leave here today and this week, go do something about it, okay? I don't know what that is. Ask God. God, here I am, right? We already said, oh, I'm open to you, I'm open. Go do it. Second thing, this is one of the reasons it's so important to, to get together and to, to be with other Christians and talk about your life together because that helps you to be a salty Christian when you go back out into the world. This stuff matters. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us this role of being salty Christians so that the world can take note and, and see something that's desirable when it comes to knowing you. Oh God, I pray that you would stir our hearts about looking at our lives. Are we living lives, Father, that, that's about our comfort mostly? Or are we living lives that are about being a Christian, a salty Christian in the world? Help us to see the truth about ourselves, Father, and then show us a path to take to, to make a difference. And I pray that we would encourage each other with this, help each other with it, so that the world will take notice of you in us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Go shake some salt out of